Yo. What's up? Welcome to another episode of I'm Will Bryant. I'm your host. I'm Will Bryant. That was the clunkiest intro. But you know me. How many times do I fuck up the intro and I just don't care? No going back. Gone too far. I'm not losing the this minute that I've recorded this for. Absolutely not. Ah, drinking some Coors Light today. Still leftover beers from birthday. It's it's super cold now. It's cold as the Rockies. Do they still do that blue? The mount- Remember they had the mountains turning blue to, so that you know the beer is cold? They don't do that anymore, I guess. They're saving their money on technology, on color-changing cans, I guess, right now. Beers always have some weird gimmick to try. I remember, I forgot what beer it was. Maybe it was Budweiser. This is years ago, before you were born, probably, whoever's listening, because most people are young now. Where the mouth of the can was wider, and they literally like branded it or trademarked it as wide mouth can. And the whole idea was that it it makes for a cleaner pour. I remember being a kid, probably too young to drink, being like, "Oh, wide mouth, yeah, that, 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 it, it helps go down the the go the the fucking." Was I about to call my throat a gallbladder? I think I was trying to go for like gullet, but I I wasn't really sure. I didn't commit. So that's on me. Nobody else. It's nobody's fault but my own. Like every other mistake of my life. <sighs> the wide mouth can. Um code blue. That <laughs> we have a code blue. That's when uh, the, the, that was a stupid course thing. Anyways, I'm a little surprised that I, I popped open a course right now. Some of my leftover beers from, from Christmas. I'll finish all the Heineken's because I drank so much yesterday. I think it's been a while. It's been a while um, since I got drunk on mostly just like beer. I did. I definitely took shots yesterday, but. A lot of times when I get drunk, it's I am drinking beer or or hard seltzers often, um, but it's the tequila, the the shots of tequila that get me. Um, yesterday, I did a I did a bottomless brunch yesterday uh, for for Val's birthday, which was Russian Christmas Eve. So I'm a Christmas baby, and she's a Russian Christmas Eve baby. That's pretty. That's out there. That means we've got some cosmic shit going on. Um, so happy birthday to her. Uh, okay, now I can officially say I mentioned her on her uh, the birthday week episode. So she can't get mad at me. All right. Um, I got her. I got her this. Uh, she she on her own like fucking won a giveaway for this vanity desk and. The desk and mirror combination, because um, uh, so uh, they're sending us a mirror too to like screw into the top of the vanity. This thing is big. This thing is like five feet long, maybe it's heavy. I should know because I had to fucking put it together. Um, but also FedEx was like, "Oh, we don't bring packages inside." I was like, what? When? When? 
I thought that's what you do. I thought the whole you you deliver to the apartment, not not just you don't. He the dude hit me up and like hold up. I'm gonna fix my ring. I'm wearing I'm wearing shades indoors because I'm the coolest person in the world. I'm also like oh well more on this later. I'm just happy I'm wearing this sweater again. I represent my my favorite sweater. It says I represent Queens on it, right? For you people not watching and just listening, and if you're not ever watching be sure to check me out on youtube at i'm will bryant like and subscribe uh oh yeah i'm wearing shades indoors only because they're like light orange and it makes the letters on my blue and orange sweater pop a little bit a little bit you know uh oh yeah so she won this giveaway and the um, vanity and the mirror together would cost $4,000. And she she won that. And I was so happy because, not, not because, like, I'm happy for my girl. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. I'm happy for my bank account because uh, a couple of months ago, I thought that a vanity desk would be a very good gift for her for Christmas slash birthday or whatever. And I was looking in on, on some of the nice ones, and, and uh, there's no shot I would have ever dropped $4,000 on a vanity desk for her. Um, I paid, like, fucking one-something for mine. I found a nice, cheap one on Amazon, and I was like, that'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Her, man, what? Are you kidding me? Her vanity desk now would kill my tape, my desk in a fight. This thing weighs, like, nothing. That thing... I, I'm pretty sure I, I like slipped the disc just shoving it in. Um, that's what she said. Um, oh, yeah. FedEx hits me up. Uh, I'm home. Val's not. And they're like, yeah, oh, the, we're outside with the delivery. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and I open my my apartment door. And I'm on the I'm on the ground floor. I'm on the first level. And when I open my door, I can see straight through the hallway to the front door of the building. And he's just out there, like, looking at me, like, from that far. I'm like, why is he not, why is he not coming in with my delivery, you know? And uh, it, I have to go out there, and he's, like, asking me to sign. And I'm like, why, why is, why is it, why are you not in the, why are you not in front of my apartment? Why are we having this conversation in the sidewalk? On the sidewalk. Um, and he's like, oh, FedEx uh, doesn't allow me to make deliveries indoors or some shit like that. And I'm like, what? How am I? You're dropping off like tons of stuff, like a ton of, of desk material here. He, he used an electronic uh, not forklift, but like uh, I think it's they use it to like move pallets, like the one of those electronic like uh lifts that like literally pump. You can pump up to raise the uh your I don't know your luggage or your whatever your package even higher. I you I remember you I used to use something similar to that, like a, one of those handheld pump ones. Um, when I did some warehouse work picking up boxes, this one was like electronic, and it would go. Just picks up. He used that to bring me these two boxes and then tells me it's not, they're not that heavy though. I have to fucking fl- like roll over 
uh, end over end one box, and the other box is so long that I have to just fucking like angle it in and push it and slide it in all the way into my apartment. Thank God I don't live on the second floor because those that vanity was never gonna get upstairs until like I called five of my strongest friends over and tricked them into thinking I was like hosting a party or something. But instead, we're just gonna take goddamn boxes upstairs because FedEx apparently isn't allowed to go indoors. What? <sighs> yeah, that's... I don't understand that. Um, uh, so yeah, I wanted to get that together. Um, and the fact that she was able to win a $4,000 vanity meant I didn't have to spend... I was, th- I was thinking of spending about a grand on it. And... Uh, once I didn't have to do that, it really freed me up to just buy pretty much all the other shit she wanted for her Christmas and her birthday. So um, I bought her a like a vanity makeup chair because she has this like beautiful vanity now, but she was sitting on this like fold out metal chair that they use in wrestling to hit you over the head with. And uh, it just didn't look right there, but. The very next day after I put together the vanity for her, the chair arrived. So it looks pretty dope now. I feel like I should use that chair for this podcast. Actually, you know what? Fuck this. I'll, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to get that chair. I'm going to get that motherfucking chair right now. Think I'm going to do it? Oh, damn, I gotta move shit around. Oh, this is... God damn thing. I'm coming. Yeah. Look at this thing. Look at this. See this pink, like fucking pink. See if this is a good podcasting chair. Ooh, it feels whoa. Reclines a lot more. I love that I just left the podcast and the microphone dead air to go steal my girl's uh chair. It's not bad. You can see it, it's like a hot pink or a fuchsia, as they called it. Uh it's uh like a suede. Two, very feminine. Perfect for me, I guess. Let's see. Maybe I'll stay. Oh, I like sitting cross-legged a lot during during uh, these podcasts. I don't know why. Excuse me. Did I burp? And this does, the shape of this, it's kind of very nice. It, like, keeps me cocooned here uh, a little bit, as I said, cross-legged. All right, so now I'm in a pink suede chair for my podcast, wearing glasses, sun shades indoors. I am turning douchier and douchier by the episode. I didn't think I was going to drink today because I drank a lot yesterday, as I said. It was the, f- oh yeah, well, we went to brunch. I, uh, we did some damage with the bottomless brunch, that's for sure. Went to three different bars. Well, yeah, three different bars yesterday in, in Queens, in Astoria t- uh, specifically. We hit up Trestle, where, of course, I ran into one of my regulars and uh, and uh, also ran into a bartender that I'm familiar with. 
a couple of shots there. Uh, went into what was Madame Marie's right down the block from Trestle. That was a good time for a while. And then um, we hit up the old stomping grounds. We went back to the Diddy. It was my first time back at the Diddy since I uh, unceremoniously got fired for about a, over a year ago now. But it was, you know, I was glad to see everyone. It was all good. It was all, it was all, a lot of hugs for my, uh, my barbacks, for um, Jared, my, my old coworker, for uh, the cook Mario when he came in. I miss all those guys. It was a good time. Good seeing them all. I was very drunk. Um, not as drunk as I was on my last day of work ever, <laughs> but uh, at least at the Diddy. But um, it's pretty drunk, mostly beer. But yeah, I definitely t- took shots. I love that it, it's not a good sign when I say I did mostly beer, but probably had over six shots total throughout the night. Had two at Trestle before I left. I don't think I had any shots at Madame Marie's, but then at the Diddy, I probably did at least two more. So maybe four for sure, but maybe five or six. Still not not bad, I guess. You know what fucks me up too is sometimes I'll do like a beer and like a neat pour of tequila, which is basically just a bigger shot that I don't take all at once. <clears throat> that'll that'll get me at the end of the night too. Ah, so I, I tried to stay away from that yesterday. Definitely still got drunk. I did it on two hours sleep too, because I had to I had to um I got I didn't get home till like four or five in the morning from work on Friday, and uh, I had to wake up early Saturday to get ready for the brunch. So I was like on two, three hours sleep, and combined that with getting drunk, I I was out by like ten probably. We get we came home around nine thirty. I was out by like ten. <clears throat> I had left this sweater. It's my favorite sweater. Um, the it says I represent Queens. It's in classic Mets colors, classic Queens colors, blue, and uh, the letters in orange. And it's actually, if you could uh, see that, <coughs> as I <coughs> sneeze like a little bitch over here. There we go. I was trying to get the... Uh, the stitching of, uh, I guess, the logo on the sleeve to focus on my uh, my uh, video, and it would kept focusing on my face because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just so goddamn... You can't take your eyes off of me, iPhone. Anyways, I was showing the logo. It's actually uh, by L Cool J. Uh, I guess it's a cross-promotion with a brand called C... Uh, Cloney? Duke George, says? I don't know. But I remember... <laughs> I think I saw L Cool J wearing it on Instagram, and I was like, I need that sweater. And I looked it up, and of course, he's the one that's actually behind it. And um, a couple months later, because it was a pricey sweater, a couple months later, uh, it was actually gifted to me by Val for, I think it was a Valentine's Day gift. And one night, I left it at the Diddy. Um you know, I guess after work or whatever, probably on my last day. I'm not really sure. I think it was. I think I did wear it on my last day there. And I guess I, I left it there and came home with just my jacket. And uh, I have not gone by to pick it up since. 
I uh, let's see. Today is the seventh. Yesterday was January sixth. Happy anniversary to uh, all of you guys out there that stormed the Capitol. Uh, I know it's probably a, a big day for you guys. Um, you know, good memories about like shitting on, on, you know, the desk of who was it? Nancy Pelosi, you know, that stuff, whoever wore that, <coughs> that like animal skin on his head. <clears throat> big day for you too. Uh, happy anniversary. That's all. Uh, January 6th. Yeah, and I got fired in like mid-December. Late December, actually. It was right before Christmas. So I hadn't been back in over a year. And that's how long I had gone without this sweater. And it's my favorite sweater, like I said. So I had a very uh, overdue uh, reunion with this sweater. Yesterday, I got emotional. Not really. I'm lying. But I was very, I was very happy. I put it on right away, had it on for the rest of the night. And I figured, dude, I haven't had this sweater in my possession since I've started this podcast. So, of course, the first one that I'm recording had to be with this sweater on. Uh, I represent Queens. I, I've born it whenever people... <laughs> Ask me if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm a native New Yorker. I love, I love answering that question. It's one of the few questions that I don't mind answering as a bartender or something. Especially uh, working at a place like the Comedy Cellar, where it's just uh, not only do a lot of tourists visit um, our shows are mostly, I would say mostly tourists or people from uh, outside of New York that are visiting. I guess it's a tourist, whatever. Um, and only a small percentage are like, li even live in New York. Um, in terms of the staff, it's, you know, obviously we don't hire tourists, but a lot of the staff, a lot of, a lot of the comedians are not from New York. They're from around the, uh, the country. And of course they come and move to New York for, you know, cause everybody wants to move to New York. No offense. I know someone's gonna, out there's gonna be like, not everyone wants to move to New York. Okay, fucking shut up. You know, not you know what I mean. So, whenever uh, you know someone's like, "Are you?" I feel like there's a moment in either our conversation or our back and forth where they they they're like, "This guy, this I can't pinpoint this as anything else." So they're like, "Are you like from New York?" And I'm, and I just love. I always say the same thing. Born and raised. <clears throat> I either just say born and raised or, or I usually go the, the one step further and I'm like, Queens born and raised. Whenever, yeah, whenever someone asks me, are you from New York? Are you a native New Yorker? Queens born and raised. My standard answer. Because I love... I love being asked that question. Only because I love the answer I get to give so damn much. I seriously love that I can say that I was born and raised in Queens, dude. I currently live in Bushwick. And... uh 
let's see, I've been here. I think this is about to be my like third year. So it's only only for the past three years have I not lived in Queens. Uh, I guess also that those couple of semesters that I spent in Stony Brook, Long Island, because uh, I went to school there. <clears throat> but, you know, promptly failed out because I'm an idiot and um, came back home to Queens. Born in Jackson Heights, which I also think is pretty nuts that I'm able to say that I was born in one of the most culturally diverse places in the entire world. (laughs) Now, I know if you look up like most diverse cities in the world, other places will pop up like, uh, surprisingly, I, I didn't realize Toronto is really high up on that list. Sometimes number one, depending on like what metric you use. I was reading this article where they talked about uh, using a percent, what the top cities uh, that are most diverse based on the percentage of people that live there that came from somewhere else, essentially, like another part, another country. And by percentage, Toronto is like way up there. Did I set the website up? I think it might have been number one. Uh, but the thing about that or in those types of, I don't know, uh, surveys, those types of studies, whatever you want to call it, that type of research, is that more often than not, New York City as a whole is being lumped in as as a city. <coughs> And it doesn't break it down anything into anything smaller, uh, like not not even specifically just Queens, and definitely not individual, I guess towns within the borough like Jackson Heights. So, like a place like New York City, in terms of percentage, was actually like eighth on the list, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas, uh, you know, Toronto was high up there, Miami was high up there, might have been number two. I'm talking about North America, obviously. So. But New York was like number eight in terms of percentage. However, in terms of just sheer numbers, New York was number one just because we have so many goddamn people here. We had like, it said like something like 5 million um, people from, not from other countries alone. But percentage wise, that was only like 30 something percent, maybe 36% of New York. Whereas a place like Miami, I think was like 50 something, 51% people not from this country living there. However, with I remember growing up uh, when it came to Jackson Heights specifically. <coughs> Still got that cough, as you can see. Jackson Heights is known as one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the entire world. <coughs> so if you're breaking it down smaller than, than New York City, <coughs> the one small area of Jackson Heights in Queens it, I'm, I looked up the number today. Uh, I, I, I have a couple, like, it's basically saying between like 164 to 167 different languages are spoken in Jackson Heights. And I remember growing up hearing like this factoid that said uh, something along the lines of Jackson Heights having or holding the record, perhaps at the moment. I don't know if it, it's still the record now. 
But at one point, I remember hearing, and of course, never fact-checked it, you know. I've tried to, um, you know, type in, like, what's the most diverse city in the world, but I've never really checked this record or whatever. But someone, it's one of those things that when you tell someone, 100% of people believe it. Also, another made-up statistic, but whatever. And whenever I've said this out loud to someone, they're like, yep, that makes sense. Uh-huh, 100%. It's this, it's what I'm about to say right now. I was told once, and have now shouted it from the rooftops to whoever will listen, that Jackson Heights, like a specific area of Jackson Heights, had the world record of having the most different languages spoken within one square mile. And I specifically remember that caveat, one square mile, because that's kind of the the go the go around by in being able to say that Jackson Heights is, you know, a lot of people say I've, you can type in articles or, or type this in and articles will pop up where they call Jackson Heights the most, the world's most diverse neighborhood. I'm reading that right now on, on a, a website here uh, called the uh, traveling circus of urbanism. Another popular website, Babel is Queens, New York, the most multilingual country in the world. And they're showing a picture of the seven train, which goes right through Jackson Heights. <clears throat> I grew up off the seven train. I am the seven train. Uh, that's how you get a, that's how you're able to say something like Jackson Heights is perhaps more diverse than Toronto. Uh, because the only way that Jackson Heights is or is considered less diverse is w- once we start taking in all the other neighborhoods and boroughs around us and we're lumped in with New York City. That's when the percentage goes down to like 30-something percent. Jackson Heights percentage of people from other countries, I swear to God, I don't know it, but I bet you it's something like 90%. I Everyone is a different culture, a different ethnicity different language different culture uh let me see if i could even ah here's jackson heights is now home to various immigrant groups including colombian boom first we're first baby there's mad colombians in in jackson heights that's why i grew up in that's why i was born in jackson heights in saint john's hospital a shitty ass hospital right there in jackson heights queens i think it's jackson it might be elmhurst actually but either way I was raised right there. Um, no, I think it is Jackson. Anyways, there's a huge population of Colombians. You'll see it in, in all the restaurants and the cuisine around. Uh, and that's why my, my mom and uh, my grandmother, my whole family, they came to America through Jackson Heights, Queens. It was from there that some of them moved out to California. Some of them moved uh, out of the uh, city and into places like uh, Rockland County and Nyack. Uh, we have some in Florida. You know, we have we even have some that moved out to to Mississippi. Shout out to our southern cousins. Um, now we have cousins in Oregon. You know, but it, it was all funneled in like our the Colombian to American. Uh, movement of the Hernandez family went through Jackson Heights, Queens. For a while there, 
um, one of my 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 aunts and my aunt and uncle, um, Titi Silvia and Tio uh, Tio Armando, they got a spot in um, Richmond Hill. <coughs> And I feel like at one point, every member of my family uh, lived in that house. Um, but Jackson Heights was kind of, uh, uh, Queens specifically, or more, I guess, more to, to cover everything is where, where the family definitely grew up. And then, you know, branched out. And that's why my mom was the youngest of eight, I want to say. Five sisters, three brothers, and my grandmother and my mother were the last two to move from Colombia to America. All of her children, her other seven children, moved to uh, New York before my mom and my grandma they were the last two and when they flew in my mom remember the youngest of age she's the baby you know so she already had all her brothers and sisters already here ready to like welcome her in and make her transition uh make her transition pretty smooth or whatever as smooth as it could be and uh they landed in they landed like like they're on the fucking nina the pinta and the santa maria they landed on Plymouth Rock. They, they're, you know, well, yeah, their their plane landed, and uh, right here in JFK, and they went, you know, right to I believe uh, well, definitely Queens. I believe uh, that's they already had the house in Richmond Hill, <coughs> and eventually my mom got an apartment in Jackson Heights, Queens, because <laughs> she was Colombian, and there was basically. There was no place in the entire world besides Colombia that had more Colombians gathered in one place than Jackson Heights. So she was like, that's where, I, that's where I'm going. Uh, I, I remember I, I used to live somewhere off of like close to the 82nd Street stop on, on uh, the 7 train. And I lived right across the street from the Salvation Army, but I was so young and still so stupid. Now I'm just old and stupid, but either way. I thought, even though I grew up single mom for, uh, you know, until my mom and my stepdad, uh, Joey, until they married and we moved in with him in like when I was like five or yeah, five, <coughs> technically four, I believe, but you know, later in the year. So I was about to turn five. Uh, I remember, even though, you know, it's just me and my mom in that apartment in Jackson Heights, I thought we lived across the street from the army. I didn't know what Salvation Army meant, but I just figured it's a division of the army. I don't live across a police station. I live across the fucking army. So I thought me and my mom were safe as hell. I was, I never questioned that this piece of shit looking building wouldn't how it could store i in my head inside of that was tanks and fucking fighter jets and an entire platoon 
like an like rows and rows and rows of just soldiers standing there ready to get into action whenever the the fucking situation called for it. I thought that existed right across the street from me for the first five years of my life. Never questioned how a tank and an army could fit in a piece of shit building like that. Never questioned why I never once saw a single fucking soldier walk in and walk out of that building. Never fucking once questioned how a fucking tank is going to come out of that building through these little fucking double doors in the front because there's no no gate that can raise anywhere there's no parking lot in there i didn't care in my head there were tanks in that goddamn building and they were there to protect me because it was right across the street i had a goddamn army across the street from me never questioned why i never got saw a fucking single thing that had to do with the army i saw a lot of people wheeling in carts of old clothes never questioned it I figured, yeah, they're here to donate clothes to the soldiers. What branch of the army were you in? The Salvation Army, dude. We were safe as fuck. The Salvation Army was there to protect me. I never made the the connection between those Santa Clauses with the ringing bells and the building across the street from me. Took me years till I learned what the Salvation Army was. Also, why name yourself that? The Salvation Army? I guess. Like, yeah, you're an army of people that salvage shit to help others. But you couldn't come up with a name that's less confusing to young people? You Like, PETA... No one really... If I asked you... What PETA stood for? Could you tell me? You probably love animals, but can you tell me what PETA stands for? I, I'm fucking recording this right now like an asshole. I have no idea. Okay, here we go. I bet you, you know what? I bet you there are like people out there right now that are like, it stands for the people for the ethical treatment of animals. And that's not, so fuck you. This isn't about you. This isn't for you. Okay. Because I know that I have mad people out there that are like, I actually have no idea what PETA stands for. But you know what? At least they fucking name themselves something normal that can just be a simple little acronym. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA. They didn't fucking name themselves, you know, the, the, the Animal Marines or the you know, Animal Army. What? I would think that there's just rows of lions and tigers and bears just ready to attack in in fucking precise ways with like one leader out front like just one lion just walking around all proud the animal army what do they do they 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 encourage the ethical treatment of animals oh why did you not name it that why did you name it the animal army that's really weird you could have just you could have just went so like, you don't, St. Jude's, uh, you know, they're this charity for uh, a children's cancer uh, a hospital, essentially. You don't hear them call themselves, you know, the Cancer Corps, C-O-R-P-S. 
were they a bunch of soldiers that are stage four? They're gonna die anyways. Might as well put a gun in their hand. It's confusing. That's all I'm saying. It's confusing. There's no breast cancer navy. Okay? It's just like the Susan G. Coleman Foundation. They they named it after someone. That makes more sense. The Salvation Army. What? That sounds like a bad emo band. Save me. Save me. Can we salvage this? Can we salvage this? The new single by Salvation Army. Get it now. Wherever music can be listened to and streamed and all that shit. Oh, man, I really went left on this. Um, Yeah, so, Jackson Heights. (laughs) If you're, like, from... What's a... a, Lame place to be from. <laughs> That's such a uh, charged question. Hey, where does it suck to be born? Tell me. Like, if you're born and raised in, like, Orlando, Florida, like, are you proud of that? Like, hell yeah, yo, home of, home of Disney World. I represent Epcot. Are you proud of, like, I don't know. Or... God, what's a, what's a, like, whatever town, I guess. Um, like, you can love your hometown, you can love where you're from, but do you say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, dude. The state capital. What do you know about that? Very little, because it's Des Moines, Iowa. You live here, though. Right? You move, you are in New York, you living, you're living in New York City telling me, yeah, what up, Des Moines, Iowa? No, no, no. Because you're here now. I'm not over there in Des Moines going, yeah, I'm from Queens. No, no. You're here, and I'm telling you that I'm from here, and you're from Des Moines. Are people from like places like that? Like, like yeah. What up? I don't know why <laughs> to be proud of where you're from. Or, like, whatever I'm doing, I have to be repping the set, essentially. Yeah, what up? What you know about these colors? I bleed blue and orange. Being from Queens, I mean, this is like an obvious thing to say, that that where you're born and raised, cheers to me, like, it definitely molds what you are and where, like, how you are in life. Obvious. So, excuse me for saying something obvious, but I'm, of course I'm from Queens, you know, like, I'm not tough enough to have been born in, like, Brooklyn, you know, in the late 80s and survived throughout the 90s. I'm only tough enough to move to Brooklyn, specifically Bushwick, in 2020. All right? That's how tough I am. I could not be born here. I had to move here once it was safe. I I could be born and raised in Queens. I saw what was happening in Brooklyn, and I was like, mm-mm, not yet. Once I saw, like, the white people go in, I was like, all right, we almost. It's like It's like you're watching... You're watching a, a cake being baked in an oven, and you're like, is it ready yet? No, no. Still too dangerous over there. Not yet. Not yet. Almost, though. Almost. And then 
you know, the, the, the moment like that one last fucking white person moves into Bushwick, like the timer goes off. Bing! And I was like, oh, Bushwick's ready. I can finally go. Even a couple of years ago, I was like, not yet, almost. We could, I could go now, but it, 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 the cake won't be, it's not settled yet, you know? You have to, it's a process. It's a, it's science, really, knowing when to go to Brooklyn. I was not tough enough to be born in Brooklyn. I get it. And definitely not, I'm still not tough enough to do anything in the Bronx. Every time I'm in the Bronx, I am just upset with myself, um, nervous, and trying to figure out every possible way of transportation that would get me back into at least the city. At least Manhattan. For all of you people out there that don't know that the city means Manhattan. You, you weren't Br- Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Staten Island even. We're not, we're not in the city. All right? Just because you grew up somewhere that has four buildings and one theater that plays two movies doesn't mean... That you get to call everything in New York a city. No. The city is Manhattan. When we say we're going into the city, that's Manhattan. For you, going into the city meant anywhere that had concrete and buildings. God, I am I don't know why I'm going in on non-New York places today. I like one time I was, I remember telling someone oh, I went into the city and they're like, You live in the city? I was like, no, I do not. I live in Queens that is not the city, you fucking transplant shut the fuck up don't talk about shit you don't know about you stupid idiot you goddamn stupid fucking moronic idiot you goddamn stupid moronic piece of shit fucking idiot i swear to god you ever talk to me again about the city i am going to put your head through the fucking wall man i'm gonna just i'm just gonna palm it like Michael Jordan palms a basketball and just fucking, I'm not even strong enough to do that, but I'm going to be so angry that in that moment, the way that a mother can lift a car off of her child in a moment of duress, I will be so angry with you that I will be able to, for one second, put a human head through a fucking wall and it's going to be yours. I swear, if you dare talk to me about the city. I, don't you live in the city? No, fuck you. That's not that you don't know what that means in New York. Don't I live in the city? I'm in Queens. I remember one time I was talking to some tourist or whatever at uh, when I worked when I used to still work retail. I was at Paragon, and someone's like, just asked me like where I live, and I'm like, oh, I live in Flushing, Queens. This is later on in my life. Um, I'm like, it's the last stop on the 7. And that's all they heard. And they're like, last stop on the 7? Whoa, you live in Times Square? I I, I looked at that son of a bitch. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm here lacing up ice skates for you. Trying to make a dollar of commission for you buying these. And you think my ass is going to live in Times Square? 
First of all, I would never want to live in Times Square, but even if I did, wouldn't the rent there be like crazy high, I'm guessing? I mean, I you know what? What do I know? No, fuck that. I do know. Because living in Times Square, I would probably live in a closet and it would cost me $3,500 a month. Times Square. I get it. I get it. You're a tourist. You probably took the train right into Times Square and saw seven right there. Bang. I'm here lacing up ice skates on your foot. Do you know where it is? Do you know how it feels to make money off of putting some uh, a fucking skate on someone else, putting a shoe on someone else and be like, oh, how does this feel? Does this feel good? As I'm like massaging their foot for a commission. And you're going to be like, oh, you live in time. Last stop on the seventh time, time is square. You live in the time of square. No, you fucking. Ah. I live in Times square. I wasn't even mad that he didn't like it's not it's not about me no i'm from queens fuck you no it's the audacity to think that i could just live in the most expensive place in what the entire world in terms of rent in terms of paying for your your land and shit there's two mcdonald's within a couple of blocks of each other in times square one's in the heart of times square and Everything there is like $3 more expensive. Why? Because it's Times Square. It's expensive to fucking be there. When my mom married, no transition. We're just gonna, I'm just going to go back into whatever I was talking about. When my mom got with my stepdad, he lived in Flushing, Queens, as I just mentioned, last stop on the seven. We moved in with him. I remember very little about this process. I was four going on five. I remember because I, I, we moved to Flushing right when I started kindergarten. Uh, and I started, you know, regular September. I was one of the few kindergartners that were still four because I turned five in December of that year. So I had to have been four when I moved to Flushing. So I went from somewhere that was super diverse to perhaps the most Asian neighborhood in all of New York. And I know there's Chinatown in New York City. Chinatown is like two, three blocks. Flushing is an entire neighborhood where our billboards are in Chinese. There's you. I remember walking by a McDonald's billboard that was all in Chinese. And with a with a Chinese woman eating like a, a, a burger on it. And the only thing I recognized was the, the golden arches, the M. And I was like, wow, that's a that's a McDonald's. I grew I grew up in, in Flushing. And I grew up in a town in a neighborhood where I never understood any of the signs around me besides the street signs that said the, the names of the streets and um, that might be it. Every, every storefront, every awning said words 
in a language I couldn't read or understand. And that's how I grew up. I was born in Jackson Heights, but I was raised in Flushing. That's what I usually tell people. My mom did... <laughs> we always kind of clash on this a little bit. In my, my recollection is that I was not given the heads up about what's going on. And by what's going on, I mean that my mom's going to marry this dude that he's about to be like my dad, essentially. I was four. I don't remember ever, ever having a conversation or any type of moment with my mother where she was like, okay, Billy, listen, we're going to move because we're going to live with this person. You know, he's, you know, I, I'm with him. We're married or... You know, he's going to be there for you. You know, he's going to be, you know, it's called a stepfather. I don't remember none of that shit. I don't think it ever happened. The way that I remember this, I remember one day we lived in Jackson Heights. And then the next day we were just moving to Flushing. And I have this vivid memory. It's my first memory of my my stepfather ever. Who, by the way, I that's my dad. I consider that like, you know, he's... I introduce some people as my dad. I never say, this is my stepfather, Joe. You know, this is my, that's my dad. It took a long time for me to get there. I grew up calling him by his first name because I'm, I'm what I'm, of what I'm about to tell you, essentially. Um, but looking back at it now, like, he's always been my dad. And to, to basically just have a single mom for four, four and a half years and then spend the other 32 with this father in my life, like, yeah, I, I had a dad for pretty much my whole life. But it was those first four that I guess, uh, you know, molded me a lot, you know, um, until what I, you know, the the other 32 years of my life after the first four, like, I feel like the, the, the last 32 did the best they could with the first four that they were given. <laughs> I was, you know, anyways, um, the way the most vivid memory I have of, of the process of the moving process of all this is just this one moment. Like I swear, I don't remember packing boxes of anything in Jackson Heights. I don't remember even how we got all of our stuff from Jackson Heights to Flushing. I don't remember any of that. I have this one memory um, where me and my mom are in in front of the apartment door that my parents still live to uh, to this day. To this day. Had to speak, uh, squeeze that in there. Um, and me and my mom were standing at the end of the hallway in front of this apartment door. And I, you know, I'm looking up at her, holding her hand or whatever. I don't even remember if we were holding bags and boxes, none of that. I just remember being in front of that apartment door. And it opens up and there's this dude on the other side of it. And it's, it's who I would eventually learn is my stepdad or whatever but it's this dude just this dude just this guy on the other side of the door he opens the door and he's like you know smiling he goes hey you know come on in and i vividly remember the thought that i had going through my head at that moment in my four-year-old head the thought what i thought as a stupid naive four-year-old is I understood we were not going to live in Jackson Heights anymore and that we were going to live here in this, in this apartment now, um, in this new place. And as a four-year-old, I had the thought that 
the only way we can afford living here is because there it comes with a man in it already. I didn't even understand the concept of a roommate. So essentially I was thinking, oh, my mom can't afford to live anywhere else unless she has a roommate and then this guy is it. No, that's not the way my, my four-year-old mind processed it. I processed it. I processed it. Excuse me. When, when that dude opened the door, when that man opened the door, in my head, I said, oh, this is the man that comes with the apartment. And that's the only way we can afford one of these um, instead of, you know, where we were. I, did, I guess we got kicked out of the other spot. I don't know. But the only place, the only way we could afford something now is to get an apartment that comes with a man in it already. That's, I swear to God, to me, when I first met my, my stepdad, I didn't, there was no like, okay, Billy, this is, by the way, I don't even know if that's the first time that I met him. I, I probably met him before and I just don't remember any of that. My earliest memory of my stepfather is him opening the door to our apartment, the, essentially the apartment I grew up in, uh, the, the apartment I would spend the next like two decades of my life. My earliest memory of my stepfather is him opening that door and welcoming us in and my thought being, oh, this is the man that comes with the apartment. <laughs> and it made sense to me as a four-year-old because I was like, well, there's no way we can afford a, an apartment that doesn't already have a man in it. So, And I'm guessing apartments with women in it cost even more so this makes sense we this apartment has a, a dude in it chilling already and so we got it for a good price and he had a nintendo that's how old i am not a super nintendo he had a nintendo and i was like hey he's cool with me and we used to play mario on the nintendo he had he had ninja turtles that impossible dude i thought video games were impossible because my dad owned ninja turtles and batman the two of the most impossible video games of all time and i remember thinking like i am never i remember growing up thinking that video games weren't meant to be beaten i truly believe that i don't really remember the first video game that i beat because I also then used to play a lot of sports games and, um, uh, you know, wrestling games. And there's no real beating of that. You know, it was a while till you know, wrestling games came out with like story mode. And, but if you play sports games, you know, you're just trying to win a championship. Is that really beating the game? They didn't feel the same. <clears throat> Plus, in like fran modes like franchise mode or whatever, you can win multiple championships for 10, 20, 30 years, you know. <clears throat> so there's no real beating of the game, I guess. And between that and games like Batman and Ninja Turtles, the Ninja Turtles game for Nintendo was so old that they all had red, uh, like, bandanas instead of the, the color ones, the, the red, blue, orange, and purple ones that were um, that, that are right behind me right here. Originally, they all had red. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that. A little fact. Fun fact. Fun fact for you. That's a little, that's an homage to Teddy. Here's an homage to Dave. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Last night. Last night. We let the legend. 
last night at the Diddy, someone said, like, let me talk to you. And Dave was like, yeah. And Dave doesn't watch wrestling at all. And me and Teddy looked at him like, how, what the, how do you know that? And Dave's like, Will says it in, like, every episode. I fucking, like, wait for that shit. And that that made my heart, you know, in The Grinch, when, when it, like, zooms in and x-rays on his chest, and it's like, he has a heart. That's how I felt. Like, oh, let me talk to you. Yeah. The fuck was I even talking about? <laughs> Dave, you fucked me up. I said something about Teddy. Fun fact. What was the fun fact about? I bet if I remember what the fun fact is about, I'll be right back on track. Everyone listening to this is like, you were talking about this, you idiot. <clears throat> you guys love it when I fuck up on air. On air. Like I'm going live. I'll do it live. Fuck it. I'll do it live. You guys will always like DM me or or say it in the chat or or even today today Tony I knew listen there was an episode I think last week might have been last week where I forgot Phil Hartman's name and I was like fuck what's that guy from Small Soldiers and um I mean I know he's another shit but I was specifically talking about Small Soldiers at the time and I forgot Phil's Hart, Phil Hartman's name and I swear the moment I stopped recording like I fucking pressed end on Pro Tools I got up and I was like fuck Phil Hartman. And I knew that my friend Tony was would be the one that was like listening to this and going, fucking Phil. I don't know why I just put, put a phone to my face. He would be listening in his headphones and be like, it's Phil Hartman, you fucking moron or whatever. He went out of his way to comment on my YouTube page and said, the man's name is Phil Hartman. You fucking, what did he say? Let's, let's not misquote Tony. Tony doesn't get at me about misquoting him the way that Dave does, but... I don't want to misquote anyone when it's, you know, actually, I misquote people all the time. I don't care. Uh, let's see. It was in my best of 2023 episode, and, and Tony comments, Phil Hartman. The comedian is Phil Hartman. Have some goddamn respect. <laughs> I deserve that one, man. I, I'm not even going to. not even going to fight it. No, that was, I, I deserve that one. That was uh, my bad. I should never. What pissed me off is I just. Yeah, you know, I love uh, this series called Dark Side of Comedy, and Phil Hartman was one of the, uh, I guess, ta- focus of one of the episodes. And uh, so I, I had heard that name so much just recently, and I'm so mad that I forgot it. So, yeah. Well, I know I was talking about Queens. Oh, oh yeah. The fun fact. Ooh, watch, watch this. Watch this. Watch me. Watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh. The fun fact was about the Ninja Turtles all having red bandanas originally. I know so many of you are home with like, yeah, no shit, dumbass. Stop drinking so much during the podcast. You might fucking remember what you're talking about. I'm not about that negativity. All right. I'm not about that life. All right, shout out to all of you guys doing dry January. But you know what? Shout out to everybody that's not. Shout out to everybody that knows that it's, it would probably be good for them, but knowing that they don't really have the willpower to do something like that that is good for them. And so they do what I do, and we just fucking keep on drinking. Because I know, now I suddenly understand 
what it means to keep on trucking. Because basically, I'll back these up like a dump truck right into my mouth. I'm keep dry January. Fucking applauds. I, I standing ovation for you. Me wet as fuck, dude. This January, fucking wet as fuck, dude. I'm gonna drink more than I did in December, dude. That's you're getting you're getting mad at me that I forgot what I was talking about on my podcast because I'm four fucking Coors Lights in. That's what this is about, okay? Because now, now I forgot where I was, but watch this. Watch me. Watch me. I bring it right back. I was talking about Ninja Turtles having all red bandanas, and the reason I was even talking about that was because I was talking about how difficult that video game was, and the only reason I was even talking about that was because I said that my dad had a Nintendo when we moved in to his apartment in Flushing, Queens, Boom, motherfucker, that's how it's done. That's called functional alcoholism. Right there for you, hosting a podcast, remember exactly where I was, even though for a good five minutes, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. That didn't stop me from cracking open another beer. No, it motivated me to crack open another one and prove that I could do this drunk as well as anyone can do it sober. So, fuck you. Every sober person is going to clip that and use that as a disclaimer against drinking and be like, look, this is what happens when you drink like a moron. You start thinking that this shit is something to be proud of. And to them, I say an additional fuck you. You may think my goal for 2024 is to drink less. Listen, I already don't work at the Diddy, so that's done. Goal accomplished. Because my motto about the Diddy is that nobody survives the Diddy. The Diddy is undefeated. You will not beat the Diddy. Basically, Diddy and Vegas, the two places that you will never come out as a winner. You will always be defeated. You're not a loser, but you are defeated. There's a difference between defeat and being a loser. Being a loser, see, to be defeated, you have to be in the fight. A loser is not even fucking brave enough to be in it. See the difference? I just dropped some Rocky Balboa knowledge on you. So, Ninja Turtles, Nintendo, let's uh, let's digress here. I didn't lose you guys. I still got this. I thought my dad was the man that came with the apartment. You know when I learned who Joey was in my life? You know, I, again, another vivid memory in my life. I think I'm just going through the most vivid memories of my life in this episode. I guess there's a reason some memories... You know how you have vivid memories of shit that don't matter? And then vivid memories of the ones that do. Well, I guess there's a reason why this one is so vivid. I was in second grade. I might have told the story before, but I don't care. I was in second grade at St. Michael's Parish in Flushing, Queens, New York. By the way, I went to preschool in Jackson Heights. I went to St. Joan of Arc for one year preschool. I was in the morning class. And there's I didn't know this until years later. When I went to St. Francis Prep, one of the most Queens fucking places you could go to high school besides like, I don't know, Francis Lewis and Cardozo. 
<clears throat> I became friends with Tony and James and Brian. And through them, I met Josh, who you guys all now know as the you didn't see any of them guy. And the wait, which one is small soldiers? The one with the small soldiers. Ah, damn it. So, Josh, they all also went to St. Joan of Arc. Tony was in preschool, too, but he was in the afternoon class. I was in the morning class. My mom still has the St. Joan of Arc yearbook. And I remember in high school, my mom showed it to me, and I was like, wait a second. And I looked through it, and there I was, you know, as in the class picture for uh, uh, the morning class of preschool, and I turned the page, and on the afternoon class of preschool, I find Tony, this dark-skinned little fucking kid with a doofy smile, right there. And I took a picture of it with like my um, Nokia camera phone, flip phone, the Nokia that had the little button on the side that flipped it open for you. That was so fancy back then. No, not Nokia, the Nextel. What am I saying? The Nextel. I was cool by then. I had a Nextel. I sent, I, I had a picture of it and I brought it to school the next day to show it to him. And we're in the fucking same yearbook from, what year was that? 1991, maybe? Maybe 1990? When were we in preschool, Tony? He's going to fucking comment on YouTube. We were in preschool in 1991, you fucking moron. Show some goddamn respect. Tony's the type of friend that will ghost me on the regular and I just know that he's an asshole and like, well, what are you going to do? And then we'll come over and and just have a great time with me in person. That's why I, I literally call him a ghosting ass, a little ghosting ass bitch. And he just accepts it because he's like, well, I do ghost you. So that's, that's valid. That's valid. <laughs> um. So yeah, I went to St. Joan of Arc where they all went. Had I not moved from Jackson Heights, I would have been friends with the friend, the friends that I have right now. I would have been friends with them just eight years sooner if I didn't move. But I moved and then we all, I went to elementary school in at St. Uh, Michael's in Flushing. They were in St. Joan of Arc in Jackson Heights, Queens. And then we all ended up in St. Francis Prep and now we're friends to this day. To this day! Which is kind of nuts. Kind of nuts. Me, uh, I believe Brian and uh, I think it was James all lived in cons on consecutive blocks. Like one of us lived on, I think, like 80th, the other one on 81st, the other one on 82nd, I think, something like that. All stuff we didn't figure out until like a decade later. Pretty nuts. Um, so I was in, huh, what was I talking about? I was talking about the moment that I learned. <clears throat> that this the man that came with the apartment was actually my stepfather. I was in second grade at St. Michael's in Flushing, Queens. And Sister St. Rosemary, that's my teacher. That was my teacher. Was asking the class to, every everyone in the class had to stand up and talk about uh, their mother and their father. And it got up to me, and I stood up, and I talked about my mom. I have no idea what I said. 
but said something. And I sat down. And Sister St. Rosemary, who was uh, a little ornery, if I, you know, to say, you know, if I may say, she wasn't the, the, she wasn't the nicest nun around. Like, listen, listen, I don't have that stigma with, like, I'm a Catholic school kid from preschool to 12th grade. I've met a lot of mean nuns in my life. But you know what? I've also met a lot of nice ones. So I don't have that stigma with nuns, like, you know, where, where people be like, oh, you had a nun as a teacher that she was probably a bitch. This one, like, kind of was, all right? I, I, what can I say? She, yes, this one was. But not all of them were. Some of them were fucking sweethearts, man. Anyways. Sister St. Rosemary saw me sit down after talking about my mother. She was like, uh, excuse me, stand back up. You haven't spoken about your father. And I remember this, this wasn't like a, um, her, her asking me to talk about my dad. That wasn't like a traumatizing moment at all. I remember just flippantly responding like, oh, I don't have a dad. It's just me. It was just me and my mom. And that like, it was like a matter of fact type of response for me. It wasn't like, oh, I, I grew up without one. To me, growing up without a father was as normal as just a part. It was just a part of life. It was just what it is. I, as, as a, as a single as the child of a single mother growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens, whenever I saw stuff on TV that had like families and shit, dads and, and whatnot, I to me that was just part of like Hollywood. That was part of TV. I was like, I live in real life. That's fake life. I didn't watch that and like long for it, you know? I didn't watch the scene on TV of a father playing son with his, or playing catch with his son and then having a heartfelt conversation. I didn't watch that and be like, Oh, why isn't that me? No, I watched that and just disassociated from it and was like, well, that's the life on the TV screen. They also lived in houses with lawns and backyards and fucking golden retrievers running around and shit. I lived in a, in an apartment where we walked out to, a sidewalk where we used loud ass trains to get around from place to place. Like I didn't, whatever was on TV was not my life. And I was, that's just, that was just a matter of fact to me, you know, that, uh, and that's just a fact of life. Um, so when I told my, my, I don't know why I have hair in my mouth suddenly, when I told my second grade teacher, oh, I don't have a dad. It's just me and my mom. To me, that wasn't a uh, an emotional moment. That was just a flippant matter-of-fact moment. And um, I remember one of my best friends at the time, uh, this kid, this Filipino kid named Andrew Alvarez. And so he, he his name was A.A., that last name Alvarez. That meant that he was. we were sitting in fucking... Alphabetical order by our last name. That motherfucker had the first seat in the first row. And I was like a little bit in the middle. Closer to the his side. But I was like probably in the third row, fourth row maybe. And he's first seat, first row. He stands up. Maybe he doesn't stand up. In my head, in my head he has a podium with a microphone. 
but you know, that's my memory. He, let's just say for the sake of this story, he stands up and from across the room, because this guy's, he's my, you know, one of my best friends. He's been to my house. He's been to my house to play. At this point, it's second grade. We've played Super Nintendo, you know, like at my house and shit, you know, so, so he's, he knows my, my parents. He stands up and shouts across the room in second grade in Sister St. Rosemary's class and goes, what are you talking about? You have a dad? And I was like, no, I don't. Suddenly we are having this fucking conver- this existential conversation about my life across the room in second grade. I'm like, no, I don't have a dad. He's like, you have a dad, stupid Joey. And I could just go like across the room. I don't go. I, I look at him across the room and I have this moment of just pure confusion and uncertainty where this other dude who's my age is teaching me one of the most important things I've ever come to learn in my entire life. You have a dad, stupid Joey. I look right back at him across the room I'm like, Joey's my dad? And I just remember Sister St. Rosemary like realizing she just kind of purposely made me walk right through a minefield. <laughs> she did not expect for one of her students to get blown up like this in this simple exercise of talking about your mom and dad. But it happened. I just I looked at Sister St. Rosemary like, uh, do you have any answers? Can you explain this at all? And she was like, ah, you know what? You're sit down, Mister Hernandez. Like, that's that's uh, that's uh, good enough for out of you. And then uh, next, uh, you talk about your parents, uh, however many you have, please. And um, <laughs> I remember the end of the school day. It's second grade, so you you know. Remember, I didn't do no school bus type of shit. So my mom pr- picked me up from school. Every day until, I don't know, I guess maybe it was fifth, sixth grade that I stopped, you know, she stopped picking me up. She was one of the last parents to stop picking me up. There was like one more that, that like one other kid was like more of a loser than me. And her mom picked her up till like the last day of eighth grade, I think. And she was such a loser. She was like, yeah, my mom picks me up. I'm proud of it. Like, pff, I was like, God, mom, please. I live four blocks away. I think it was like five or six, but still I can do it. Took her a while to be like, no, puppy, the world is too dangerous. I cannot let you. Took her a while to be like, okay, but you come straight home. You don't buy no drugs. You don't talk to no hookers. My mom thought I was like fucking Carlito's way or some shit. Like how, I don't even know how to do that. Can you teach me? You're from Colombia. You know more drug dealers than I do at this point right now. Okay. In fact, I don't, I'm not even convinced you're not running away from a life of drug dealing in Colombia here. You probably skipped out on a drug charge, a local drug charge in Colombia and came to New York to start a new life. I don't know. You're telling me I can't walk home from school at sixth, sixth grade. Anyway, she picks me up from school. I'm a second grader. And I remember... Um, yeah, Sister St. Rosemary being like, uh, William, uh, I'm going to just uh, speak to your mother real quick. And I, you know, fuck off a couple of feet away. 
And this, I see this conversation go down between Sister St. Rosemary and my mother from like a distance. And I have no idea what was said. I haven't, I mean, I have an idea what was said, but I don't know the specifics of the conversation. I just remember seeing it from a distance. And Sister St. Rosemary was, you know, God bless her, because I'm sure she's dead by now. She was really old when she was my teacher. Um, she was this portly woman. And she was like talking, you know when you have a really mean teacher and you like never see her smile until she meets like a parent and then sudden you're, suddenly she's like a nice person and you're, and you're looking at them like, who the fuck is this bitch? That's not, she yells at us. You saw a smile? It was the first time I saw her smile. That's nuts. So she's like smiling at my mom and, and like nodding her head and saying something serious. And my mom, whatever was said to her, she, she acts aghast. She acts like like mortified and she makes this face. And I remember her like talking to Sister St. Rosemary and just turning to me 10 feet away like this. Like, no. And I don't know like exactly what was going down in that conversation, but I knew at one point my mom was just like pissed at me. Like, like I fucked up. I just found out that I have a stepfather and somehow my mom's pissed at me for not knowing. The fuck? She, she comes over. And from that conversation she had with Sister St. Rosemary, and she walked right over to me. She goes, Billy, I told you he was your dad. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? No, I don't remember. I think I would have remembered that. She yelled it so loud to make sure that my teacher 10 feet away could hear. And I'm convinced to this day, to this day, that her having that conversation with Sister St. Rosemary and then stomping over to me and getting down low so that she could see me eye to eye. I feel like she looked over her shoulder be like, is she watching? Is she watching? Okay, okay. And then she yelled it loud enough so that she could hear 10 feet away. Billy, I told you he was your dad. And then she looked back and she was like, okay, she bought it. She bought it. And she, she fucking grabs my hand and goes, let's go. By the way, there was like no follow-up conversation. Like, okay, Billy, let's talk about this. Um, in case you don't know, he is your dad. He's your stepfather. You know, that, that, that means this. No, no. It was just fucking, I can't, I can't believe. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe you, you, don't, you told your teacher you have no dad. I can't believe. Oh, my God. Oh, my. I'm so embarrassed. You do have that. Who's Joey? I don't know. The man that came with the apartment? Shit. That's all I knew. He, the man that came with the apartment and had Nintendo with two of the most impossible games of all time. That's all. That was before kindergarten. It took me till second grade to figure out from Andrew... Across the classroom, in Sister St. Rosemary's room, to learn that the man in the apartment, the man that came with the apartment, was actually my dad. Well, stepfather, but essentially would become my dad. Jesus. It's my fault I didn't know that. Don't get mad. Listen, women out there, don't get mad at your kids for embarrassing you in your class, in the classroom, wherever they go to school, because you didn't explain to them who the fuck their daddy is, okay? Not my fault. Not my fault. It's your fault. 
to this day, to this day, it's not even a traumatizing moment for me. I think it's kind of funny. If anything, I think it traumatized my mom. I think she was like, oh my God, my son has no idea about anything. He doesn't know who his stepfather is. He doesn't know about the drug cartel that me and my, my mother ran back in Colombia. He doesn't know what the fucking army base actually looks like. He's just ruined. He's going to be so stupid. And I get it, you know. Not wrong. Not wrong. So, yeah, I say all that to say that I love being from Queens. <laughs> That's what that was all about. Um, as this shirt says, I represent Queens. You kidding? I am Queens. That's a little homage to Entourage. You kidding? I am Queens Boulevard. Uh, well, I think that's a good place to leave it off. I think I think the story of uh, me being taught by a second grader that I have a father is an appropriate send-off point. <laughs> Uh, happy Russian Christmas to uh, all of you Russians out there. Happy Three Kings Day to all of my... Is that just a Puerto Rican thing? Or like, is there a lot of Hispanic people out there that do that too? A lot of Latin exes. I don't mean... Uh, I don't mean my Latin ex-girlfriends. I mean, I mean the, the term that only white people use to describe Latin people. Latin X. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself with the X. Get rid of it. Put it up your fucking asshole. That's where it belongs. Not in front of me. <clears throat> Anyways. That's all. <laughs> That's all I got. Imagine I just left. I just left the podcast. Don't fucking send off. I bet you guys would like that. But I can't do that until I ask you guys to do a couple of things. You guys already know what's about to come. But fuck it. It's coming anyways. And it's coming hard. Let me tell you. Coming so hard at you. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast or uh, what is it called? Uh, whatever it's called. That thing where it just downloads automatically week after week. If you're my friend and you're not downloading this podcast on, a, on an automatic basis, if it's not already automated for you guys then you're not really my friend okay that's all i got to say about that be my friend be a real friend like and subscribe follow rate review all that stuff help me out man help me out uh you can follow me on all platforms instagram youtube x twitch Threads, Spotify, uh, what else? I don't even know. I, there's probably something else. TikTok, I almost forgot about TikTok. It's all the same thing. I'm Will Bryant. That's three words. I'm Will Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, like Kobe. Till next time, y'all. Remember one thing. 
I represent Queens, like the sweater says. And I do have a dad. Love you guys, and peace.